one can sing a tune on a clear day at noon. But I want to find some folk that know how to sing at midnight. When trouble all around is closing in. I didn't say whine. I didn't say complain. I said, you know what to do when trouble comes knocking an unwelcome visitor at your door. Because that's the God we serve. Not some other kind of God. Not some almost God. Not a woe is me. Everybody, I'm so pitiful. Please feel sorry for me and give me attention. You born again. At least I thought you were. You born again. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. What do you need a vacay from? His presence, his joy, his peace. Well, yeah, but you don't know what people have done to me. Right, people. You know, the ones God let into your life to help crucify your flesh. When's the last time you praise God for them instead of rebuking the devil? You do understand that Jesus, his entire pathway from Gethsemane through the cross was orchestrated, watch me, by his father. You didn't hear me. It was God that had him betrayed. You're not listening to me. This is why you can't accept anything from the hand of God. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I'm supposed to be happy, happy, happy. No, 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 no. He's still working on you. So he'll let a few haters in to see how you react. You throw in the towel and whine and complain and give up and walk out because you little baby, you didn't get everything you wanted the way you wanted it. So you got no praise on Sunday morning because you got a toothache. It's still his day. This his day. Not his hour and 40 minutes. His day. All of it. Right? You will have a brand new concept of dying daily and picking up your cross when you understand that it was his father that orchestrated all that. Not sickness and disease. You can't find anywhere where he was in sickness and disease until the cross. But betrayed, laughed at, mocked, put in jail, railed against, misunderstood. The 12, there were only 12 of them, and they didn't even get it. And you want everybody to understand you? If you weren't so confusing, maybe they could. Amen. You've got to learn to embrace the cross. 
see, see, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear they're supposed to pray a prayer and poof, everything in their life turns out petun turns up tulips and pops up petunias. But that's not the way. That that's not the way, friend. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be hurt. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to whisper it by church folks. They all in here. How many of you have ever been hurt, lied on, talked about, persecuted by church people? Look around. It's not because of who you are. It's because of whose you are. Jesus could have hung on the cross and said, I can't believe it was one of my disciples that brought this mob and put me on this cross. What makes you any different? Except you a baby and he wasn't. He was full grown. I love it when people say, I'm full grown whatever. Full grown. Full grown. So let's grow something this morning. Y'all be seated. Get a pen. If you don't have one, they're in the pew in front of you. Or open up your phone. Or those of you that have your laptop open, go on over into the notes. Because we're about to have some deeper life teaching. I, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost every day for God to show me when, where, and at what time and what day to open deeper life class so that I can teach some people that want to get beyond the surface of Sunday morning. Okay, three of you. Three of you. You don't want to go in. You know everything you need to know. Your only satisfaction should be your dissatisfaction with what you know about that book and about its author. Because some of y'all been skating a long time. You know, you got a little bit of revelation. You got in the kingdom and you come to church once every three or four weeks on Sunday morning. And that's kind of it. Those are the most miserable people on earth. In all honesty, you'd have been better off except for eternity to stay in the world. Because you at least looked happy then. Right? I mean, you may have had to get it out of a one toke over the line sweet Jesus or a candy or something like that. A bottle. But you at least smiled every now and then. I do declare we come in here and talk about the things of God and I look out at faces that look like they spent the night upside down in a post hole. Just no joy, no victory. Well, you gotta go deeper. I said, you gotta go deeper. You gotta go wider. You got to get some revelation of your own. 
not be satisfied to be a little baby bird, come in and open up your mouth every now and then, let somebody regurgitate a little bit of spiritual pablum to you. It's quiet in here. I'm just talking. I'm, I haven't even raised my voice. Amen? I'm determined to take you deeper. And the reason for that is I'm a little concerned about the end product. Uh, for the first 25 years of this church, people all over America, I, I had national preachers come in and stand at the pulpit and weep and say, I don't have anything to tell these people because we were the most well-taught church in America. You could ask anybody on Sunday morning to name the books of the Bible and they could. You could ask anybody where this scripture is, where that scripture is, they knew. They knew what dispensationalism was. They knew what the Trinity was. They knew what the gifts of the Spirit was and how to operate in it. They knew what righteousness was. They knew the difference between righteousness and holiness. They knew the difference between the second coming and the rapture. They knew the difference between the epistles and the apostles. They knew something. They, had, they were just immersed in the knowledge of the word and they could not be defeated. I mean, they, they just could not be defeated. I could not make them stop rejoicing. Couldn't make them. Could not make them. Those of you that were at camp meeting and you saw that opener that Pastor Chris did such a brilliant job of and we showed the video, I believe it was 92, 92, and uh, the video of just, you know, a Sunday morning and Bishop Clint Brown was leading worship and right in the middle of it with that on the screen, he came out and led the song with the screen. It was amazing. The energy was palpable. And it wasn't a few young people from Valor. It was everybody. And God's just been dealing with me that although we have Valor Christian College, you don't make yourself available to it. Everyone should be taking at least one course online right now. That book says, study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We had six to seven services a week in this church. And I taught every single one of them for years and years. We had Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday night church, Thursday night, one hour teaching. I walk in, open the Bible at seven o'clock, walk out the door at eight o'clock. Why? People were so hungry for the word. We had to fill the building up six times a week just to feed their thirst. Nobody's thirsty anymore. Nobody's hungry anymore, especially after COVID, 90% of the church is walking around like a zombie. 
too much TV, too much free time, too much laying around. Get up and move, man. Get off the sofa. Okay, that got three people clapping and they're from another country. Yeah. Because America has become lazy. Lazy. Now the danger is that's lukewarmness. The book says, if you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. God said, I would rather you be cold as ice than lukewarm. Lukewarm is anything that is not boiling. Lukewarm is where every kind of germ If, if, if you're out in the wilderness like I often am and you need some water and, you know, the, you, you, there's nowhere for you to pay a dollar and a half a bottle for it, you, you get it out of the creek or the stream or the river. But you better not drink it until you, some outdoorsman tell me, what, what do you have to do with it? Oh, you have to boil it. Because when it boils, what happens? All the junk dies. So you got a lot of junk. I suspect you're not hot enough yet. You're not passionate enough yet. You're not praising enough yet. You're not digging into the book like it was your life enough yet. Lukewarm. Half-mass praise. A clap only when somebody tells you to, encourages you to, begs you to. Because it's not coming from here. When it comes from here, you have a hard time shutting up. And, and I'm just going to tell you, the gospel, it, it'll, it'll do to your spirit what pop does to your belly. You have the munchies all the time. You'll be looking for something to eat, eating everything in sight. You'll be grabbing this series and that series. And Pastor, when are you going to preach on this? Would you teach us about that? Instead of looking at your watch for the last 15 minutes. People used to scream when I would dismiss a service. We had three services on Sunday and rarely did we ever dismiss any of them. We didn't say, okay, first bunch, get out of here. We, they'd come inside and get chairs and sit outside with the doors open because I wouldn't stop. They were so hungry. You know what causes you not to be hungry? Junk food. TV, radio. Okay, all right. I got to remember what generation I am. Would you put your phone down? First thing when you get up in the morning. 
Did I get any new likes? Did anybody like me? It's not, I'm not saying it's a sin. How many of you already checked your social media today? Of course you did. And you'll check it 500 more times today. When your eyes come open in the morning, is your first thought him or where's my phone? I'm not condemning you. Come on, man, you want power? You want to look at cancer and tell it to get out? You want to win your family? Or you want to go to bed every night knowing they're on their way to hell while you're checking your live feed? This is not life. 87% of people that get on social media for 10 minutes are more depressed when they get off than they were when they went on. Come on, let's wake up, man. Throw the thing away if you have to. God said it would be better for you to go through life phoneless. He said, if your phone offends you, cut it off. That was good, wasn't it? Give me a hug, I like that. Amen. Amen. Come on, what do you want? You want to be a spiritual weakling? Or you want to go deep? Anchor deep. How many of you would come to a deeper life class if I would teach it? Yes, uh, yeah, okay. Well, let's see how long you stay today then. Because I'm going to give you a deeper life teaching right now. Are you ready? Okay. This, come on, we're going deep. This is a Bible. 1,166 pages. 66 books written by 40 different authors. But all inspired. Are you taking notes? Inspired. Get it in your vocabulary. It means yod heh vav heh. It means breath. It means God who is a spirit. God breathed it. Did he take his finger and write it like he did the Ten Commandments? He did that with the Ten Commandments. Are you listening? Now he said, I'm no longer going to write my words on tablets of stone, but I am going to take the flaming finger of the Holy Ghost and I am going to engrave my words on the fleshly tablets of their hearts. It shouldn't be what some preacher said in a pulpit that's always coming up out of your belly. It should be what you put in your belly. Oh, you're not shouting at all. That's okay. That's okay. There's not much shouting in deeper life class. There's not much. Are you ready? 757,439 words 
help yourself. Well, I don't know what the will of God is. 7,500, five, 757,439 words. Find you one. Live by it, memorize it, stand on it, speak it. Open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it now, you'll see. God said the words that you speak, so shall it be. You are the sum total right now of everything you said yesterday. How you feeling, depressed? How you feeling, sick? How you feeling, tired? How you feeling? Why you keep checking with your feelings? My spiritual grandfather, Smith Wigglesworth, was asked how he felt one day by my pastor, my spiritual father, Dr. Lester Sumrall. And Brother Wigglesworth looked at him and said, put his finger right there on his chest and said, young man, Smith Wigglesworth never asked Smith Wigglesworth how Smith Wigglesworth feels. Smith Wigglesworth is told how he feels in the 757,439 words that God spoke to me. All right. There are two testaments. A testament is a covenant. There are two covenants in your Bible. One is about two-thirds of your Bible. The other is about a third of your Bible. They are the Old Testament or covenant and the New Testament or covenant. Let me share this with you about interpreting this book. Ready? The first law of interpretation is that all Scripture must be interpreted in the light of all other Scripture. In other words, you can't find a verse and pull it out of the whole thing and construct a doctrine or belief system. All scripture must be interpreted in the light of all other scripture. Otherwise, if your husband's name is John, and he is a devil to live with, you could pull out this verse. Bring me John's head on a silver charger. It's in there. Right there in the B-I-B-L-E. Now, isn't that ludicrous? The other law of interpretation is no scripture is given by private interpretation. Like you can't take some squirrel that jumped up in a pulpit somewhere and said something that does not bear witness with the totality of the book and say, well, the preacher said it. Well, the preacher may be wrong. I mean, we had one this week come out and say, throw away everything I've ever said about thus and so. So we're supposed to trust you in the future about what? 
Are you listening? Had another preacher caught this week on videotape having his third affair on the same wife and he's pastoring several churches across America. Had another one get in the pulpit last Sunday and preach a sermon about how God is for abortion. Supposedly Pentecostal, full gospel, big name preacher. So you think this is not important? Because here's what happened. The sheep just go, because they all commit adultery too. Because they don't know what the Bible says either. Oh, you're quiet now. This is called deeper life. It's called grow up. Are you with me? So, there have been some questions recently raised by a national minister, and I have come today to set the record straight. Okay, three of you care, because a whole lot of you would like for what he said to be true, but it's not. The, the raising questions regarding the legitimacy of what the Bible calls mm, tithing. Questioning whether it is a biblical concept or not for New Testament believers. Now, this whole thing emerged from two sources. Number one, a gross misunderstanding and misinterpretation of what's called dispensationalism. Secondly, by bowing to the knee of the damnable concept pouring through Christian television called hyper grace. That it doesn't matter what you do, we're under grace. We're under grace, Jesus died, he rose again, you're cool, you're fine, everybody is gonna go to heaven, and all church and Christianity are about right now is just trying to help you have a better life. No focus on eternity. Okay, dispensationalism. How many of you can write me a definition of dispensationalism now? I don't even have a valor student that can do it, which tells me a lot about valor. So I'm examining all curriculum. Because if you don't know this, you don't even have a starting place. Dispensationalism. Okay, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you what that is. Are you ready? I want you to get it down. I'm, this isn't an entertaining Sunday morning. It's not what this is. Dispensation. A dispensation is a method of interpreting history in what God's working and his purposes are toward humanity. It's periods of time. Now, depending on what learned and the ones that I read are, 
uh, you, you find them dividing dispensations between three dispensations and 37 dispensations. Depends on how fine you want to slice the bread. Are you with me? Most, in fact, the vast majority of theologians or Bible scholars agree on seven. Seven. See if you can write any of them down. Preachers can't even do it. Are you with me? So this is good, right? Are you learning something you didn't know? Okay. Number one, the beginning of your Bible, Genesis 1, 28 through 30, and Genesis 2, 15 through 17. It deals with the period of time between the creation and Adam and Eve eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, beguiled by the serpent, disobeyed God's law, and were therefore banished from the Garden of Eden. So they were expelled, right? So that is the dispensation of innocence because that's where innocence died. At one time, God winked at ignorance, but now commanded all men to repent. You with me? Number two, you want me to just go through them fast? Conscience, conscience. That's where conscience came. That's why men, Adam and Eve, went and hid themselves and sewed fig leaves together because they were no longer innocent. Now it's the age of conscience. That lasted 1,656 years approximately until the flood of Noah, where men became so evil that God said, I, gotta, I just got to get rid of the whole thing. I, I just got to start over, right? Third, human government, human government. It's after the flood to the Tower of Babel being established. Now what happened at the Tower of Babel is men with, without God determined to build a tower to heaven. That's a long way, bro. And God said, watch this, watch this. God said, unless I go down and what? Confuse their language, they will accomplish their goal. So God gave them different languages. It happened right there, the first original speaking in tongues at the Tower of Babel. And people began to speak different languages. That's why you and your family don't get along. She's talking one thing, you're hearing something else. Preachers saying one thing, you hear something totally different, right? So God said, I gotta, I gotta fix this. So all he had to do is change their language, get them speaking different things, get them divided. Okay. Then came the dispensation of promise. Yeah. Everybody shout. Yeah. Promise. Ooh, I'll take that over human government anytime. Promise. 
The promise was the covenant of Abraham, the patriarch. Are you bored? I'm just laying a foundation. It lasted for about 430 years. That's when God gave birth through Abraham, a nation called Israel. You with me? Stay with me. Next, law. Everybody just go like this. Law. You, you know the only people that hate law? Lawless people. I could go home right now. Nobody's telling me what to do. I'm free. You're only free until your freedom infringes on mine. That's why democracy is so hard. That's why the kingdom of God is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is a theocracy, meaning we got a king. And his edict, that's the law. Obey it, be blessed. Disobey it, enter a curse. That simple. Law. 1,500 years from the exodus from Egypt to Calvary. The law. If you think about the law this way, perhaps it will help you. The law, anybody ever pour concrete? See concrete poured? You ever bake cupcakes? Well, you don't just take them and dump them in your oven, do you? What do you do? You put them in a container, don't you? Now, when they're finished, you take off that little container, don't you? Because it's set. That's the law. That's the law. Hopefully, you're not telling your 18-year-old not to touch the hot stove anymore. But there was a time when you said, don't stick your finger in the light socket. Don't put your hand on the stove. Don't play in the street. Don't cut your sister's hair. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Go to church. Treat me with respect. So why are you so opposed to law? Can you imagine if there were no traffic laws? The letter of the law kills, but the spirit of the law gives life. Now I'm going to show you in a minute who the spirit of the law is. You with me? Okay. So... Law is formative. It's basic formation, right? I mean, do you have to still tell Dixie that he needs to put his dishes in the sink? Sometimes, stand up, Dixie. Now, Lord, 
let him love his wife as Christ loved the church. Would you put your dishes in the sink for Jesus? There she sits. Obey. Amen. You understand law, right? Training wheels. I mean, I hope that your, you know, 15-year-old doesn't still need training wheels on their bicycle. Does that mean if they break the laws that you taught them, that there's no consequence? If they are not paying attention enough and they decide at 10 years old, mom and daddy don't know what they're talking about anyway. There's a consequence, isn't there? Go ahead and drive 90 in the 35 mile an hour speed zone. There's a reason. There are children running across that road. And when you hit one of them and kill them because you can't live within the boundaries, you're going to jail. It's a terrible thing. So please understand that law is not a bad thing. Now we get to number six, grace. That's the, quote, dispensation that we're living in right now. The dispensation of grace. Why? The blood of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, all the way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, both of them. All the way through the 22nd chapter of the book of the Revelation. All that. Well, basically all that. Up until the rapture of the church. That's the age of grace. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.